one of the things that we always tell our physicians and from the ethics, I always say, I'm wearing my ethics hat. Yeah, this is, the, this is the hat I have on right now. Welcome to the allnurses.com podcast. They might be suing me. Yeah, yeah that's a big thing with yeah. them. And then we show them all of our policies. We show them our, our laws and everything that say you do not have to offer things that aren't going to bring a benefit to the patient. And that's legally and ethically okay. Tell me a little bit about your background and how you became interested in this topic. I had a patient who had a big surgery done, uh, what we call a Whipple surgery, so big abdominal surgery, and did not do well, did not recover from this surgery. His daughter uh, was there, the patient was on a mechanical ventilator, couldn't talk, and his daughter kept saying, my dad would never want this, my dad would never want this, we need to take him off the ventilator. The case got referred to our ethics team in the hospital, and I, as a patient advocate, his nurse, went to go talk to them. And that was my first view of our ethics team. And I was just, I was in awe. I was in awe that there was such a thing. I was in awe that these people cared enough about the patient to listen to everybody that took care of him. They listened to me, they listened to his daughter, and then came back and said, we believe that you are following in the patient's wishes if you go ahead and withdraw from life support. And so that was my first case dealing with a patient where we withdrew life support and went to comfort measures only. And it just stuck with me. And so I went to my nurse manager and said, I want to, I want to be part of that ethics team. I think this is really great. And so I became part of the ethics team. Time went on and the surgical ICU became one giant med surge ICU and things changed, of course. And we still stayed on the ethics team and, and saw different cases. And then I decided to go back to school. So I went back to school for my master's degree and I had to take some stuff off my plate. And so as part of my MSN program, I also went ahead and got a certification in ethics for the professional. And so that was just more formal education. Just, I felt like lent me a better knowledge base and a better understanding of ethics. Nursing has changed over the years in more ways than one, and there are several ethical dilemmas that nurses face today. Tell us what some of the big ones are. One of the biggest ones, not only for nurses, but for everyone involved in healthcare, is futile care. Just this giant gray area, because what is futile care? I mean, people could debate that in so many ways. You know, we talk about futile care as potentially being mechanical ventilation, tube feedings, even IV fluids, dialysis, all these kind of things. Some people would say CPR can be considered futile care and others would argue against that. What is futile care is really going to be individualized to every case because every patient case scenario is going to be different kind of a thing. So that is a number one not only for nurses but also for physicians and the research has proven that out there. In the more recent years um, has been staffing. Staffing issues for nurses is a big thing leading to moral distress. Even just having to feel the pressure of working overtime a lot because you feel like you can't leave your coworkers, you want to help them out. Getting uh, text, phone calls, or emails constantly um, looking for help. So one of the people that came from my area also said that she's been getting the emails all along while she's here, like six a day looking for help kind of thing. So it's like you can never even escape it when you try to get a break. And then unfortunately workplace violence. That's another thing that's been coming up more and more in the last few years. And it comes from patients, it comes from families. Unfortunately, it also comes from coworkers. You mentioned families, and I think that could be a source 
of an ethical dilemma when the family wants everything done and when you as a medical professional know that this isn't going to help. You know, in fact, it may harm the patient in the long run. It will make them uncomfortable um, and they will suffer more. So how do you handle that? It is very hard to handle, very hard to handle. I think one of the things that helps me personally is being involved in AACN, being on the ethics team, and then talking to a lot of my other disciplines now, you realize you're not alone in it, first of all. So a lot of times you were feeling like, this is how I feel, and it's me, it's all about me, and this is how I feel, and I'm the one going through this. When you start talking to other people about it, you realize we're all going through it. We're all going through it together. So that's the support right there, I think, if we all talk about it more. And I feel like from a physician standpoint, it's been in the more recent years that they actually started talking about it. I always felt like it was us versus them. And now I, I realize lately that they're feeling the same thing we are. So we just talk about it a lot, either formally or just very informally, and try and help each other through it for that. But one of the other big things that lends to a lot of moral distress for, again, all the healthcare team members is, yes, when we have patients who are on full life support and we have families saying we want everything done, when from a medical perspective we know that, you're right, it's not bringing them any benefit and in fact we're probably causing them some discomfort. From an ethics standpoint, a lot of the things, a lot of these things are what's coming to us from an ethics consult team standpoint too. We, we try to separate it saying, is this really an ethical dilemma or is this really moral distress on the part of the team? And there's such a big crossover of gray area that it's hard to say. And so I promote to everyone I talk to is if you're unsure, just put in an ethics consult anyway because we can at least talk to you about it. But we always look at it from the fact of does a patient have an advanced directive? So have they made a living will where they voiced their wishes on a piece of paper? Do they pick power of attorney for health cares? And if they have picked power of attorney for health cares, have they had discussions with that person specifically related to their wishes? Unfortunately, a lot of them haven't. A lot of them pick people and they pick their family members and then never have a discussion about what they wouldn't want or would want. I always tell my patients, hey, you don't have to pick your family. It can be anybody. And whoever you decide to pick, you should pick the person that you know is gonna stand up and speak for you but pick someone that you can also have that discussion with then and that you know will follow your wishes. A lot of family members realize, we've, I don't know, we've never talked about it. And so they're trying to make the best decision. And from again, from an ethics consult point, we try to remind the family that you're not supposed to tell us your wishes. You're supposed to tell us his wishes. You're supposed to be speaking for him when he cannot voice his own wishes. I think sometimes that eases the burden of the family when it comes to like withdrawal of life support and comfort measures only. Recently I had a, a son that I was trying to help through that and he said, I just want a sign from my dad that I'm making the right decision. You know, and it's like you're like praying to God, please just send him a sign to make him feel better. But I just reminded him again, I said, remember, you're speaking for your dad right now. So whatever you think your dad would say to this, that's what we want to hear from you. And I don't know that it 100% eased his mind over it, but I think it did help a little bit. Emotions get in the way a Very lot of time, so. but I Very think nurses so. can play an important role for the education to tell them, you know, that yes, you may not understand why they're not getting fluids right now, 
and then to describe, you know, they can't process this and, and the, the reasons why they can't have it or just that, you know, you've been empowered with the training and with uh, talking to each other and to try to empower that family too with more information that right. they don't know. They don't know about the dying process. You know, they don't know any of that. Um, but anyway, so the moral distress and the ethical dilemmas, do you think this is a very big contributing factor to nurses leaving the bedside today? Unfortunately, yes. Yes, it is. Even our brand new nurses are coming in and they're so overwhelmed by the care that they have to provide. They're overwhelmed by all of the education and knowledge they have to know, by the staffing issues that we have, so they have to carry your heavier workloads. And maybe they're not also getting the full support they need from all those people around them to help them through these situations. And so they're looking at this and they're saying, wow, this is a hard job physically, emotionally, mentally. I could go find something easier to do.